0: is everything elite the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe i'm aaron bentley and i am joined as always by my good friend and co-host
1: mike spears what's up mike hey y'all it's your old pal iron mike spears i'm doing good i'm getting stoked for this weekend you know i mean it's t minus almost 30 hours if that 28 hours until the show so i'm really excited about that be up in nate's neck of the woods so yeah i'm stoked all right
0: and, of course, we're joined by Nate, a.k.a. Epithesis. What's up, Nate?
2: What's up, Aaron, Mike, uh, everybody? Um, yeah, also getting stoked. It's uh, I'm fired up, to quote a uh, late friend of the show, Aaron Taub. Um, <laughs> looking forward to it. It's I, I, I always get, like, anxious right before big weekends because I have to do a shitload of work to sort of, you know, prepare myself for them. But, uh, you know, come 5 p.m. tomorrow, I'll be ready to go hard on the rest wrestling weekend.
0: All right. And as promised, we got a special guest. We're joined by Adam, a.k.a. Wiccafe Springs Eternal. What's up, Adam?
3: Hi. I didn't prepare anything cool to say, um, <sighs> you know, the way Mike has his <laughs> intro or anything like that. But I'm looking forward to this, and uh, thank you guys again for having me.
0: All right. Thanks for being here. I intended to tweet, like, now, or just before we got started, to kind of tease that you were going to be on the show, and I forgot, so now time has passed, I think. Uh, so we're going to talk to Adam a little more, and he's going to be with us for the preview. Uh, before we get there, just make sure that you are following us on Twitter, at EverythingAEW. You can find me at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at FujiHeya. Make sure you subscribe to the show. There was a change in hosts this week, but it shouldn't have affected you. So, I mean, if you're listening to this now, it didn't affect you, obviously. So make sure you're either subscribed to The Everything Elite feed, you can search that on the podcast app of your choice or the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Rate and review the show, all that good stuff. And of course, we will read uh, some funny reviews if you do them. So we're going to talk mostly about All Out preview in the show, a little bit of notes on the uh, TV ticket sales. And I think we're mostly going to skip BTE except for the important parts. But we're going to start with Adam. So if you don't know Adam is Wiccafe Springs Eternal. I'm not sure. I can't say you're in that because it's just you, but right. tell us about that project and what it is.
3: It's uh, It started as a, a, a way for me to make electronic music and um, just experiment with home recording and uh, be a weirdo on the internet. And then, uh, so I was super active on Tumblr at the time uh, that it started, like 2011, 2012, and through that met, uh, people who were doing similar stuff to what I was doing or, or doing stuff that I, um, wanted to do. And, uh, uh, somehow managed to, uh, make a career out of it. But, uh, I sang over, uh, rap beats essentially (laughs) that's my, uh, yeah, that's
2: it sounds a lot like what we do here. Yeah, be be, be weirdos in our home recording setups and uh, definitely making a career out of it is what we're going for.
0: (laughs) Well, it's like, so I was so suffer on is your newest album came out this year, but it's Mm -hmm. much more. I guess people should also know that you were also in Tiger's Jaw, right? Right. People might be familiar with that band. I feel like suffer on is more of like a a return to kind of like more indie. You probably hate that sound or that (laughs) name but like an indie sound as opposed to what I think about like like Corinthiax is probably like the height of the stuff that I really like of yours just like that style this is more of like I think if you're in tiger's jaw you could also be into the suffer on record
3: yeah that makes sense there was um I mean I was doing uh I was mostly working with other producers for years just uh you know having them send me beats and I would sing over them And then, uh, I signed with run for cover records, uh, sometime last year and, um, uh, yeah, sometime last year and, uh, was saving, um, the, the project where I would, you know, produce the majority of it for something like that, where I had, uh, a budget and I knew there would be like a push behind it and, uh, you know, a a wider audience. Um, and I think the result of that was Saffron, which is mostly guitar driven stuff because I, I play a lot of guitar and um, there was other producers. I worked with a, a producer named Doves who, who did most of the beats and the um, programming and stuff like that. And, and Will Yip, um, who I think we'll talk about later, but he uh, I recorded it in his studio and, and he did a lot there. But yeah, it it does sound more like an, an indie album. And I think that's more in line with um, with what Run For Cover puts out anyway. So it makes sense.
0: What are like the, I mean, the influences, or what are you drawing on for this kind of sound?
3: I, early on, it was, uh, it was a mix between like 80s, new wave, um, you know, new order specifically, or um, they were the big ones. But I also liked, uh, like, a lot of uh like Crystal Castles, newer dance stuff really. Crystal castles, um Salem, they're not like a dance band or anything. They're more uh heavy electronics, Witch House is what people call it. Um a lot of that and like pop stuff, like eighties pop songs, honestly, and it evolved into um, more of a rap based project, but uh but for Suffer On it was uh, me getting tired of any sort of new music and going back to listening to singer songwriter type stuff, uh, Leonard Cohen, Nick Cave stuff that like my uncles would have been listening to when I was a kid and trying to push on me, uh, and just trying to uh, make it make people take it a little bit more seriously than you might take, uh, you know, SoundCloud rapper. A, B, C, whatever, if that made sense,
0: sure. I yeah. mean, is you think that's more of the you're gonna stay in that lane or is that like what you're I don't know if you're working on new stuff, but is that kind of the lane you intend to
3: be in? I'm working on a ton of new stuff, and it all sounds different, so I have no idea what um as far as studio albums go, yeah, I uh, sometimes I think I want to make like uh, you know, like your club like dance record with like just four on the floor uh drum machines and stuff like that other times i think i want to just have a full band and um make it like a you know a 70s dylan record or something so i have no idea i have some time to decide i have about four months or so before i have to start working on the next full length and in between then i have like folk stuff coming out i have uh like punk stuff coming out it's all over the place um so yeah i guess i'll just see what what works and and uh what feels the most natural and go from there
0: where can people find your music
3: uh i tell people spotify i feel like that's the most artist friendly way of listening to music uh it's how i listen to music but it's also where i see the most money so uh do that <laughs> yeah spotify i mean apple music like any of those streaming platforms i'm on soundcloud too uh wicker springs Channel is my name just you can google it uh and i whatever you prefer i guess but it's everywhere
0: okay i have to ask you about a specific song from suffer on because of a friend of ours kara i'm not sure if you have listened to the show when kara has been on the show but uh, Kara is a furry. That's where you, that's the first thing you have to know.
3: Okay, I know and... it. <laughs> <Hey, Kara.
0: laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> and her persona is cat based. Okay. Right? So yeah. you have a song on "Suffer On" that includes the line, uh, and I'll botch this maybe, but I think it is. I like when she acts like a cat. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just I need you to tell us more about this line and about this song.
3: The cats are. Uh... you know they do it they do what they want to do and uh they will i forget what song it is uh contact is the name of the song contact track five yeah track five contact and uh uh i don't know cats are elusive and uh you know when they're done with you they're they're done with you and uh and they seem pretty honest uh so i guess that's what um what that's about also sometimes i write lines uh I'll write a line that doesn't necessarily reflect how I feel, but it'll come to me and then I'll know that it'll stick with people. And I feel like that's one of those lines. I I can't say for certain because I don't remember anything um, about my music ever. So it's one of those two things. Yeah.
0: Well, it did a job. Also, that sounds a lot like Cara. There
3: you go. All
0: right. I won't put you on the spot about any more of your lyrics. I promise. Um, And I had to do that for Cara. Okay, well, what we're going to talk about, of course, is mostly wrestling. So I guess your big connection to AEW is that you did uh, Darby Allen's theme, right? Which we were, you were uh, nice enough to let us premiere it on this show. So you want to tell us about working with Darby and working on the theme? Yeah,
3: I met Darby. Um, I think it was through uh, Jimmy Havoc, actually. And I, the way that started, um, I'll try and make this quick. Uh, I'm friends with a musician named Cremation Lily, who is friends with Zach Sabre Jr. Um, I had been, at, I was at Evolve '99 and tweeted that I was there. And uh, the next day, uh, Zach saw the tweet and uh, said something like "Goth Boy Click" or something. That's the group. I'm in a group called Goth Boy Click, and uh, kind of blew my mind. And and my friend told me that like, yeah, he knows your music, blah blah blah. And uh, Jimmy Havoc saw the name on Twitter and uh, and made his presence known in that in that tweet thread. Um, so we did a, a collab T-shirt um, from that. And uh, then uh, I think Darby saw it or something like that. Around the same time, someone told me that Darby was uh, into punk music and stuff, which I mean, you could guess by looking at him. But it turns out we liked some of the same bands uh leftover crack was the big one so i i just messaged him and i said what's your favorite leftover crack song and from there we started talking he came to a few shows um that i played and uh i don't know that he he wasn't like a fan of the music or anything but uh priscilla was a fan um and uh uh he you know just mentioned that he needed a new theme for aew Um, and I was, you know, more than happy to, um, to make it, uh, I don't have a studio that I just record at home or anything, but he had sent me a few songs that he wanted it to sound like, uh, most of them were just like slow, uh, like plotting punk songs, uh, very obscure stuff, like stuff I never heard, stuff that was very hard to find on the internet. Um and uh so i i uh went to my friend Will's studio, will studio Yip, and uh will had done work with wwe before he's uh if you watch uh shinsuke's titantron video or whatever they call it he's the drummer in it like after shinsuke turned heel he didn't play on the uh song but vince wanted like an asian band uh you know <laughs> vince is vince and and Will is Asian, so he plays the drummer in that video, and uh, and he also worked on Bray Wyatt's new theme too, um, but he's just like a, a wrestling fan, and uh, so we recorded it like in a few hours. It was pretty easy. And uh, first, Darby was he wanted us to add, uh, I think he wanted us to add some sort of slow piano intro. And uh, I just didn't get back to him about that because of time of pain. And then he said, "Never mind." He's like, "It's cool," and that was it. All right.
2: What was the uh, <clears throat> the experience of watching that debut at Fighter Fest like for you, Pres? That was like you know top three moments of the show. I thought it was Darby's entrance coming out with the the body bag and with that song blasting.
3: Man, it was crazy. Like I'm pretty critical of everything I do, so my first thought was like we need to get him different versions of this song. So it, it pops sooner, you know? So, um, it's pretty long song and it doesn't really pick up until minute two and a half, which won't really make it to TV unless he's like getting some sort of like big, you know, title introduction or something like that. Uh, I mean, that was my first thought, but it was insane. And like the amount of people who like, knew it was me uh my timeline on twitter was crazy like i you know i didn't know what the crossover was like and and uh and that was very cool and i mean i can't believe that he used it honestly that was my my first reaction was like he said he would use it but (laughs) i can't believe they let him use it and uh yeah i mean really wild and i think during a fight for the fallen i'm sorry fight for the fallen is when they they really got the levels uh right like with the the intros and the crowd reaction and stuff so that's where you could really hear it uh like clear and stuff and it was uh i don't know it just it was like a dream that i never knew that i had um but once i saw it i realized how cool it was and how i really did always want something like that to happen and i can't believe it's darby (laughs) allen <laughs>
2: like, yeah, it's like basically the coolest guy in the promotion. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool,
0: and I'm just a fan of your music. I was like, Oh, this is uh, really cool. Thank <laughs> you. you. don't have to answer this. And if you say you didn't want to answer it, we will just cut this from the podcast. But I thought of this as you were saying that do I mean, who owns the song? Or do you have a deal with AEW for this to be on TNT? Or
3: no, um, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> it's a pretty funny uh, Darby kept telling me that Cody Cody personally was going to be in touch to send paperwork over and uh and he didn't but i mean we recorded the song for free like uh i told Will like he was saying how excited he was to be a part of it just because like of how cool it was that AEW was going to be a booming promotion and I gave Will this impassioned speech about how it's the least we can do for wrestlers because, you know, wrestlers put their bodies on the line for our entertainment all the time and ask for nothing in return. So we owe this to wrestling culture, blah, blah, blah. And um, and I feel that way. Like, no, nah, they could have it. Uh, he said I could upload it to Spotify. Uh, it's like in the uh, it takes like a little bit of time for that to, to work. Uh, so it should be up soon.
2: Cody, I do have a minor in music business. If you want to, uh, if you need a music supervisor on staff, if you need somebody to handle those music rights and, you know, just got too many emails on your desk, hit me up.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, we should talk wrestling at some point on this. So, I mean, I got from your last uh, point, Adam, that you are a wrestling fan and I know that you are. So what sort of wrestling do you follow? Uh, You're following AEW, I assume. What are you into?
3: Yeah. um, uh, I I watch – Man, I used to watch so much. I used to uh, watch a lot of Japanese indies and and stuff like that. I really got back into it. um, I was into WCW as a kid just because it was on earlier. Then, you know, started an hour earlier. Uh, So I was really into that. And then I fell out of it, uh, got back into it around like 2004 era Ring of Honor. Um, And uh, since then, stayed with it. Uh, Right now, I really only keep up with, with uh new japan and aew regularly evolve i was uh uh i was all in on no pun intended uh honestly right up until that last podcast ended and for the same reasons that the podcast ended we don't have to go into that um i try and keep up with uh uh any like big japanese matches that don't take place in in new japan whether it's Uh, like all japan or ddt or or noah or anything like that um but as of now like anything that's under the the wwe umbrella including like progress or or WHW stuff like that used to uh, be really interesting to me and now it just seems tainted to me in some way that i can't really explain and uh i'm sure you guys know exactly what i mean and, and people listening to this podcast might know what i mean but um you know anyone challenging wwe is 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 what i'm interested in watching
0: strong i mean i think that's why
3: we're here (laughs) yeah
0: because we're all uh interested in that all right well we'll i had one more thing but we'll get to that as we go through i'm sure at some point let's talk about this card and we will go down uh from the beginning and preview this bad boy a little bit so of course we're going to get started with Uh, The buy-in, or we should say first that, uh, other than Adam, all of us are going to be there, right? Everybody's going to be it all out. Yes.
1: I get into Chicago tomorrow morning, and it's going to be crazy, like 48 hours between all the stuff that's going on around Chicago and that. I mean, excited to see the Street Fight Boys and then go see the show and then get a chance to uh, hopefully ask some of these wrestlers some questions backstage. So I'm really stoked for this weekend.
0: Yeah, I think – Street Fight is sold out, right? But uh, hopefully you have a ticket and you can join us. I think it's the hideout. Is it the hideout or the hideaway?
1: I think it's the hideout. Yeah, the hideout. There's a place. Yeah.
0: That, there's a place here called the hideaway that I'm thinking of. So the hideout in Chicago. Check that out. Uh, Murder Brian, Brett Payne, doing a show. There our, yeah. There are also session.
2: Sorry, there are also a bunch of other indie shows um, over the weekend which you can check out. I've tweeted a bunch of cards. Um, if you're interested in any of those, I did want to shout out. Some guy gave me a, a his promo code to get 10% off warrior wrestling tickets. Um, nice. And that looks like a really good card. So that code is Moten, capital M-O-T-E-N. And you can see all the stars of CMLL and uh, also Frank the Clown.
0: <laughs> Nate's favorite wrestler. He's good. Or favorite whatever he is. Okay. The buy-in. And, you know, I usually write the times here, and I didn't, but I think the buy-in starts at 6.30 Central Time? Don't know. Nope, nobody knows. Okay, that's okay. Casino Battle Royale is the, the first match, or I think it's going to be the first match. And this is all women, and it's to determine one of the participants in the first AEW women's title match. Uh, we've talked before that Britt Baker, Sadie Gibbs, Big Swall, Allie, Brandy, Nyla Rose... I got Britt Baker twice. Teal Piper, Ivelisse, and Jazz will be there. We found out this week that Awesome Kong and Shazam McKenzie are also going to be involved. We're kind of assuming that B Priestley is going to be involved, but no confirmation of that. And there will be a whole lot more. What There's like nine spots left. So uh, who knows who else will be involved. But we know that it's going to be for a shot at the AEW women's title. So presumably it's going to be a pushed commodity gonna come out of this thing. So Nate, let's start with you. Who do you think is coming out of this thing as the winner?
2: I think um, they roll with Awesome Kong coming out of here. She has the kayfabe advantage because she is the awesome monster in the match. So if they're supposed to have an advantage in battle royales, also the winner of this is probably going on to wrestle uh, one of the joshi for the actual title so it makes sense to have somebody who has some joshi experience and you can sort of crossover between those uh, you know semi divisions on that so you know barring like a really giant surprise entrant and I don't know that there are giant marquee surprises on the women's wrestling market uh, I'm going with her
1: you know I, it just seems like this is the position for Britt especially after she had the unfortunate concussion at Fight for the Fallen that it just makes sense that she would be someone that they have already pretty much focused the division around she's been all over the first four the first three shows this will be the fourth so it seems like that she would be the odds-on favorite with that I am interested though I'm really stoked to see that Jazz is involved with this because she's someone that I really, she wrestled a lot in my area when I was growing up, her and Ronnie Mack. So it's cool that she is a part of this. And then she's come back like doing the NWA stuff. And I thought that it's really interesting. So my head is saying Britt Baker, but my heart's saying jazz.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah, I kind of think Britt Baker's going to be the first champion. I've just always thought that. And so I just expect she's going to win this and, and uh, go on to face one of the Joshi. Adam, do you watch much women's wrestling?
3: no not much uh and this is the one i was most nervous about talking about but it seems like i'm on the same page with everyone else uh it seems like Britt baker is uh has just been the face of the the women's division and uh if she doesn't win this i don't know um if she has a path to being in that determining uh women's title match so i'm going with Britt baker but i love the idea of awesome kong winning uh so Nate might have convinced me that that that's happening. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, Kong or Nyla Rose, I think would also be cool options. I just I just think Britt's going to be the first champion.
2: She's on all the posters. Mm-hmm. She is. She's the only one that's been advertised for any future TV dates. I think with the Britsberg right. date, she's the only woman that's woman that's been on any of those posters yet. So yeah. distinct possibility, um, but uh, we'll find out. I do really the question here for this match. I think is if they're going to like. Fix the presentation and formatting of how they do the whole battle royale because you know had some hiccups with it being the first Match ever on the first show so you know want to see if they're gonna Get the entrances a little tighter and make sure everybody's getting their time to be like established as hey I'm entering the match and shit now um, and uh, Yeah, I mean also get a lot of surprises in this match and surprises should be fun again I don't know if there's like a giant marquee name out there, but you know uh, are we gonna see Penelope actually get to wrestle is Kylie Ray going to return? And I'm using a, a cheat to, to get around our rule on this podcast. Will we have April Mendez, the 21st entrant?
0: <laughs> Excellent. All right, the other match on the buy-in, Private Party taking on Angelico and Jack Evans uh, in a match that I can only assume is going to be a, an easy win for Private Party, but should have a lot of fun spots, right?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about this, if only because Jack Evans has been always one of my favorite wrestlers. He was someone that I loved when he was in Dragon Gate, whenever he was in AAA. I like a lot. And then seeing him in the ring with the private party guys, I think it's going to be really kind of a cool moment because it's kind of two generations of high flyers and especially indie flyers in there. And, you know, and Helico, when he does cool things, he does cool things. So I'm stoked about it. And I really hope this is a good opportunity to. Further get over Private Party because I just love these guys. Like every time I've seen them, they, they've been excellent.
2: Yeah, this is really going to, I, I think, uh, Private Party to the test because this is like their first straight ahead tag match of the promotion. They were awesome in that three way tag dance um, on the previous show, uh, but they were kind of like protected in there to just get their big shine spots and, you know, weren't working a full match really. Um, but like, remember in the all in pre-show when Kaz did that one like basic northern light suplex spot and it just got like a gigantic pop It was like the loudest pop you'd heard on a wrestling show in in years Like if that's the level of expectations that the all-out crowd's gonna have then like this could have spots That just make them go ape shit. So I, I think it's gonna be fun
0: Adam have you seen private party or oh, yeah, you watched uh, fighter fest, right?
3: i did and uh so i'm a big uh fire pro guy and and the way i um i have this weird logic in my head where i i can't uh use a a character that i've created or downloaded unless i i watch a million other matches uh so i've seen a, a good amount of private party and uh uh, I mean, I, I love them. Uh, I, I think they're, they're great. I definitely think that they're winning. This is I'm sure everyone else in the world does. And I see Jack Evans and, and Helico as uh, that veteran tag team that probably loses all of their matches, but just makes people excited about, you know, whatever they're doing. Uh, so it should be good.
2: I totally identify with that fire pro thing. Cause I get like paralysis about it where same thing as the old, uh smackdown versus raw games where i would download 50 wrestlers and like okay now i have to go through each one of these one by one and make sure they actually do all these moves and there are att- tires actually match reality and then i just never actually play the game
3: yeah i don't want to be a poser that's my but no one watches no one knows like what i'm playing on fire pro but in my head i, I don't want to be a poser and uh so i have a list i have a list on my phone right now of of wrestlers i need to um you know look up either on the high spots network or on youtube or whatever and uh and and familiarize myself with before i uh before i use them i also have a list of um so as i'm doing this i also write down their moves that they use uh and i do it uh in the way that the fire Pro move set thing is is ordered so i have like You know, the basic strikes and then their grapples and then their ground moves and then the turnbuckle moves, blah, blah, blah. So, if anyone wants uh, that, I have like (laughs) hundreds of them. He's doing the work. Yeah. Do you think that uh, you're just like fans of your music are
0: going to listen to this podcast because you're on it?
3: Yeah, and they're going to be so confused. (laughs) That's what I'm wondering. How
0: do you think they're going to react to your wrestling fandom, a deep wrestling fandom?
3: I think they're going to listen to a podcast I did last week where I talked about all the uh, music that I'm working on and uh, and then listen to this and realize why none of that is ever coming out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, I'm someone that if I'm on Fire Pro or when I would play the WWE games – I would go judge everyone's edits, and especially Dragon Gate guys. And I would make sure, that like, oh, no, no, this doesn't look like here Zawa whatsoever. And yeah. I'd would, I would, I'd copy it, I'd remake it and post up, and I would be the asshole who says, much better than so-and-so, the user title, because I'm, I'm that kind of dickhead. So I totally get this, Adam. I just <laughs>
0: realized that when Adam was talking about all the big Japanese matches, he uh, explicitly did not mention Dragon Gate, so...
3: No, I do. Uh, no, I do watch uh, some Dragon Gate. Usually, when uh, when it's not bumped to the um, when it's not bumped from the Voices of Wrestling flagship, um, you know, and they they end up talking yeah. about it. I get excited about Dragon Gate and stick with it for a month or two, and then um, and then it falls. By the way, I'm I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> oh no, no, I I have like a personal battle
1: with Joe Lanza and Rich Cretch most weeks. Where I mean. He, I mean, ABC is in the slack where, I'm just, where there's been one match I've been trying to get everyone to watch the longest time just so they can talk about it. So I understand the importance of Dragon Gate staying within the third hour of the flagship. So mm-hmm. I've made my peace with that.
0: All right, and now we move on to the main show. And I assume this is going to be the opening match. This was the newest match that's been announced. SCU, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. It took me a second there. Taking on Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and marco stunt who wants to talk about this one first
2: i'll talk about it um i think it's smart that they've elevated the luchasaurus and jungle boy team to this position where they're on the main main car they're opposite like very over people on this in this promotion um and they're obviously going to be featured strongly on this show that's like oh wow you know this team got super hot out of nowhere we're going to feature them more that's cool um and i also think like I don't know that I super love Marco's stunt in the act because it seems like a complete act already, but it is sort of a good way to keep them busy and keep them in the spotlight while they're not into that tag team tournament yet. Like they got eliminated from the pre tournament tournament. So, but they can still have this cool trios match. So, um, I mean, it, it's going to be fun because uh, the Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy team has a bunch of spots that I hadn't seen before because I hadn't watched them before the Fight for the Fallen show. So, you add in uh a second short guy to that team i think there's probably gonna be some novel stuff
1: yeah this should be really cool i like how seu has kind of become the house trio that people are coming in with like strong hearts at double or nothing and now we're getting this again and for a team like jungle boy who i every time i see jungle boy i'm like okay this guy is going to be the biggest star in this industry if there's any like honor and luck in this universe and i'm like I watch him and I get more and more excited. And I'm just interested to see how over Luchasaurus is going to be after how he was kind of the biggest star in Jacksonville. So I, I'm just excited. Like this will probably be the kickoff match on the main show. And I kind of like SEU in that role. And then I'm always having like a, a knockdown trios match to start. So I'm stoked for this. And I hope that, what did I, what was my nickname? I give him, him some Joshi nickname. Oh yeah. The Neo jungle assault nation. I hope they're the ones that get the win on this.
3: I have watched a lot of Jungle Boy over the past three weeks as part of my Fire Pro uh, playing. And uh, he does this, uh, a really nice-looking Tiger driver. Uh, So I'm hoping we get to see that. Aside from that, I don't really have any other takes on this. It should be fun. And uh, yeah, that's really it. SCU is awesome.
0: I got to see Luchasaurus go over strong here. He was the surprise star at fight for the fallen. And I want to see him write it out and see if they got something with this guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think his role is going to be as the tag team, at least for the, at least until they really start giving jungle boy, the big push, I think, but maybe it's uh you know, jungle boy doing a splash off his shoulders to get the pen or something really team effort.
0: All right. Next on the card is Hikaru Shida taking on Riho and As far as I know, only Dave Meltzer has reported that the winner of this is going to face the winner of the Casino Battle Royale. Have you guys seen anything officially from the promotion? Nope. Okay. I mean, it makes sense, right? Sheeta got the pinfall in the six-woman tag at double or nothing. Riho got the pinfall in the three-way with Yuka and Nyla. Of course, then she lost the fall at at Fight for the Fallen, which uh, irritated me. But... They've kind of been the most push of the Joshi, at least. So it makes sense. Uh, This, I don't know. Like Nate mentioned last time, they've actually never had a singles match against each other, but they do know each other well. They've been on opposite side of tags, right? So hopefully they'll have good chemistry. It's just I don't know what this match is going to look like.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're you know veteran professionals. I'm sure they're going to do the necessary work to have a good match here. I think the question is sort of like, this is the first singles Joshi match in the promotion. Um, and we know like all these, the fans of promotion want everything to succeed and the crowds like generally supportive, but it is like two relatively new people to this audience, um, who are going to go out and have, you know, like a 10 plus minute match probably. So, uh, um, you know, we, we hope that they can deliver in a way that gets the crowd behind them. Cause that would be fun. Um, it does make sense also that this would be to eliminate one of these people for title contention like at least then there's some uh uh, uh, consistency with how they did it on the first show and they had the singles match winner versus the battle royale winner like it's still kind of stupid i think to decide your title challenger with that battle royale but at least they're doing it consistently between the two top divisions
1: yeah like they're being consistent and i'm with you all about wondering how this will come across i I've started to really get into Riho, and she's appeared. So like I've seeked out her stardom stuff. I saw her DDT or her Tokyo Joshi pro thing from last weekend with Shoko Nakajima. And the more I watch her, the more I'm like, okay, I get everything about her and why they want her to be a star. And I feel the same about Hikaru Shida. And it's kind of a shame that these two aren't the finalists for this, for the title. Cause I feel like that this could have been the stronger title match. So I think it'll be interesting. I'm stoked about it. Like I feel like I'm, saying that a lot there is like one match in particular i'm not stoked about but this is one that i am ready to see.
3: riho has been the uh not knowing uh much about joshi at all riho has been the one since the start of aew that uh has left off the page for me and uh i'd love to see her as champion this is why i said earlier that i wasn't sure if uh uh i think it was that weird melzer um uh post or whatever that that said that the winner of this would also go to the the finals because uh uh otherwise I don't know if Britt Baker would be able to get in but if that's the case I'd love to see Riho in that match I'd like to see Riho as the first champion um just because uh you know I was walking into the the Joshi uh women of aew with a a completely blank slate and she was the most impressive in my eyes and uh seems to be one of the more interesting women that they have on their roster so uh i've decided to to get behind her and uh hopefully she wins this uh otherwise i just need to watch more stardom that's uh what i've learned from listening (laughs) to this podcast every week and you guys do a great job of selling me on stardom so thank you for that (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's great news. Very glad to hear that. And Riho was working heel on the most recent Tokyo Joshi Pro show, so she can do that. I mean obviously Brett Baker's gonna be a big baby face, so they could have the right uh, dynamic in the match. Uh, I don't know. I, I get the sense is gonna win this, but Sheeta, if before this all got started, and before double or nothing, it felt like Sheeta was getting uh, was kind of gonna be the push commodity and then she went away for the two shows. So it might just be recency bias that's making me feel so confident that Riho is going to come out of this thing as the winner.
2: Yeah, I think Sheho had the focus of her trio's team at Double or Nothing. like She was the the woman in the center and all that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd like to see Riho win it. I uh, am like Adam. She's been the standout of the women to me thus far. I did. I followed that one Riho stand on our Twitter account, and now it's like our timeline's like 80% Riho standing. And I, I kind of enjoy it. I'm like, that's just some good, wholesome standing.
0: Yeah, she's easily stand. All right, tag match. The winner gets the first round bye in the AEW Tag Team Tournament, which we've buried uh, that step enough. The Dark Order take on the best friends. And I think the story of this match is going to be like, can the Dark Order finally get over with an AEW crowd that wants everything to be over and wants to respond to everything? But they haven't responded to this team, so I don't know. Do you think that uh, they're going to be able to get a good response in Chicago?
3: No. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I have I feel very strongly about this. No, I don't think so. I noticed on uh, when this match was posted on AEW's uh, Instagram, someone uh, likened those minions that accompany them to the ring. Uh like the creepers. Uh, the creepers, yeah, they likened them to the uh, Putty Patrol from Power Rangers, and said that no one cares about them, and no one cares about the Dark Order. And AEW responded and said that uh, the Putty Patrol was a very important part of the Power Rangers franchise, uh, <laughs> and I thought that was super weird. And uh, uh, but it it, and I do understand it. Um, uh, you know, you need to keep uh pushing something in order for it to get over in their heels so um you know they'll get some sort of heat just by by being present this is the dark order not uh not the minions what do they call them sorry
2: the creepers i think
3: is that official or did
2: i make that up (laughs) i don't know i call them the minions or
0: the spooky perverts of course
3: right i think spooky perverts might be the most official um uh i don't i i'm surprised that the dark order uh doesn't have that carryover love from pwg even if it was like a few years ago um i was excited to see them it doesn't seem like it's working hopefully they can get a dominant performance in here and uh you know give people no chance but to to love them and want to see them work uh whether it be as, as heels or whatever um that best friends promo from uh road to all out was it last week or or two weeks ago made me really want them to to be the first champions um but there's no way they're winning this it's uh dark order all the way baby
2: (laughs) so yeah i also was like very surprised especially when they first got announced as coming to AEW or teased um like they got the most positive reaction like everybody was you know over the moon that the super smash brothers were getting their visa and coming to be an AEW. And then just, I guess it's all the new fans that AEW pulled from somewhere that don't have that familiarity with all their uh, previous runs. Uh, but my take is actually to go off what was previously discussed. Remember how like the knife pervert line almost totally sank the Jay White character. And like, it almost killed this whole heel thing. I think the opposite's going to happen with the spooky perverts line or the spooky perverts chant is going to be so over with the crowd. It's going to get everybody way into the matches so like that's going to get the initial investment that you need and then they're going to do all their crazy spots and moves and it's going to get over so i think uh i think trent basically saved their careers with the spooky perverts line
1: (laughs) yeah and he started this spooky pervert line just in the backstage interview at double or nothing like it was just like an offhand thing that he was saying because he's just a weird person and if he managed to get them over with this then i guess he should get like a backstage writing job just because If he makes this work for them, it does. But, yeah, they need to do something big. They need to somehow tap into, like, the 2014 PWG vibe that they have because they were so great back then, and then they just disappeared. So, I don't know. I mean, I expect them to win. This is the match I'm not really looking forward to just because I can see it dying at death if the Dark Order doesn't get over
0: Yeah, I expect Dark Order to win, and you can give the best friends the story of, like, having to overcome, going through all the rounds of the tournament. Still expect them to be in the finals and maybe the first champions. I haven't thought that far yet, but certainly uh, in the finals. You could redo this match. If the Dark Order gets over, you could redo this match in the finals, right? So, okay. Up next, uh, well, I was going to call this the Wiccafe special, but it actually has been sponsored. The Cracker (laughs) Barrel Clash, folks. We got Joey Janela taking on Jimmy Havoc and taking on Darby Allen. I think the important part of this one, Adam, your role here is going to be to sell the rest of us on Jimmy Havoc. Uh,
3: it's pretty hard without having watched um, progress when he was, uh, when he was their champion and just so, uh, so hated in that company. And he's kind of been riding that wave since then. Um, He's not a super worker, obviously. Uh, he'll take a ton of punishment. He'll bring the quote-unquote blood and guts. Uh, I know that he has to hate the name of this match, the, the Cracker Barrel, whatever. I know he has to hate that. I know Darby has to hate it. I am I can only imagine Joey Janela uh, hasn't heard that that's the name of it yet or something like that. I, I don't know. Um uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Jimmy is ever going to be a, a serious uh, player in terms of, like, title contention or anything like that. There's definitely, I'd love to see him in big matches against Kenny or Moxley or Jericho or whatever. But I don't know. I don't think you need to worry about him. He's just a, you know, solid veteran hand to to borrow a, 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 a Voices of Wrestling flagship-ism.
2: I th- do think this match maybe works to his strengths. Like we think it's probably a plunder match, right? The crack- cracker barrel aspect of it probably makes this a plunder match.
3: Yeah, someone's getting someone's getting power bombed on a on a barrel, for sure.
2: Yeah. So if if these guys take some big fucking bumps onto a barrel and they have like a gimmicked barrel, or they have you know all sorts of nonsense, if they have like the cracker barrel games that they have at the table and they take bumps onto those that'd be (laughs) tremendous um and i don't even mind that it's like a three-way dance here because it is probably a gimmick plunder match sort of deal so you can have like you know one guy doing the cage of death cracker barrel construction setting up tables and doing one thing keeping busy while the other guys do the wrestling shit like that'll work for me fine so i think the cracker barrel thing is kind of funny to me i don't know why it's like the right level of irony for me i guess so I, I this will be fun. Um, the the gimmick and the build that they've done for it, with the recurring Blunt quantity two re- appearances and references, um, just enhances it all for me. So I, I think it's going to be fun.
1: Do you think they're going to have anything in the barrel?
2: Um, no, it's going to be gimmick so that it breaks easily. Okay. But it, I see somebody
1: on the inside, right?
2: I see
0: somebody doing the Sasuke spot.
2: Okay. Yeah. Oh wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, I Probably see Darby.
2: Darby. Yeah, Darby, Darby doing the Sasuke spot. spot.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially since Sasuke couldn't get it right in the Janella match, Darby fixes everything, uh, puts the barrel over his head, and yeah, takes some sort of nasty bump.
1: Yeah, I, turns- I. I just hope this can be plunderful. Like that's why I'm hoping out of this, and hopefully, if the barrel.
3: Yeah, uh, I have no- a. I have real quick. I have some insight into uh, the. Uh, the promos, or the you know the packages that led up to this, where they were fighting at the the Blink One Eighty Two concert. Um, apparently, that was legitimate. Um, I don't think I'm I'm blowing up anyone's spot by saying this, but uh, they actually did go to a, a Blink One Eighty Two concert. Those three and uh, Tony Khan, and uh, after they filmed it, they were in the the crowd, and uh, I think Priscilla was there too, and uh, they were annoyed that people weren't. Uh, moshing or, or being aggr- as aggressive at a, a quote-unquote punch show as they should have been. So um, Jimmy and Priscilla started moshing or, or something like that. And uh, people – this is what Darby told me <laughs> – uh, people took offense to to what they thought was man-on-woman violence uh, between Jimmy and Priscilla and started attacking Jimmy. And a, a legit brawl <laughs> broke out uh, between – darby jimmy and joey and priscilla and some some uh concert goers at that show uh so they were they were vanquished to tony Khan's <laughs> private booth at the, the blink 182 show
2: that's a great anecdote um, yeah. i'm very disappointed in all the blink 182 fans for not being woke enough to appreciate intergender wrestling like get with the time guys
0: <laughs> uh we've gotten some really great lore on this show <laughs> from adam already. Uh, I guess most importantly on this match is like, I just want to see Darby get over more than he did in the Cody match. I think that's not going to be a problem, and I just hope that Darby comes out like the biggest star of uh, of the match. That's I it. thought he, okay, I thought he
3: seemed like the biggest star. Real quick, I'm sorry. I thought he seemed like the uh, the biggest star for on a uh, fight for the fallen, like. I have a a bias where you know I want him to succeed and and everything, but I could not believe the the reaction that he got in that opening match in the the six man tag. And uh, when I when I talked to him about the coffin drop spot in his match against Cody, he said, "You haven't seen shit." So I, I'm assuming he's going to do something insane during this match as well. Uh,
0: Yeah, well, as you well know, this has, since its inception, been a very pro-Darby podcast, so we're all rooting for Darby. All right, the Escalera de la Muerte for the AAA World Tag Team Championships. The Young Bucks taking on the Lucha Brothers for approximately the 5,000th time. Um, I just, I don't care about this, guys. Is anyone excited about this match?
2: The real question of this match, I guess, is like, is Phoenix alive and able to wrestle and assuming that he is alive. Will he survive to the end of it? Because he had like a semi-severe injury and then wrestled again the next night, but not really doing any wrestling or spots or anything. Um, He's booked for AEW like tonight, I think. Uh, So he might be wrestling twice between now and All Out because he's a fucking lunatic. Uh, I don't know what, I don't know how much money he needs to get from Tony Khan to stop taking five bookings a week, but Tony needs to pay him. Because uh, Phoenix is just going to, you know, dive six feet into the crowd or six rows into the crowd uh, every night until somebody, you know, gives them money to stop.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> text me to let me know that he is a 10 minute walk away from AAW, but has instead decided to watch Cheers in his Airbnb.
2: <laughs> I didn't know he was uh, in town already. Yes, he is. Well, he was
0: I don't know how much of tj hawk spot i should blow up on this podcast but he's he's like there on vacation he's not going to all out
2: (laughs) no yeah but he's going to street fight and then decided he's not going to the wrestling show
1: that that's That's a power move power move yeah i just i love triple a it is probably one of the promotions that i watch turn off my brain and not like have to cover i just love basically everything about it but this has been going on way too long and that's me being generous i just hope the lucha bros or penta and whatever husk of uh fenex is around are able to get the title belts and then these kind of do their own things like you can do whatever in mexico but in AEW is good tv let them do their own things i'm done with this
3: i'm so done with it i have nothing more to add all right i think that's a fair treatment of this match next up
0: cody taking on Sean Spears and what's probably the best built match on the card. Certainly. I mean, not from like a in ring uh, scenario. Am I most excited about this, but it's probably other than the Joshi match, it's probably the match I'm like most pumped for of like, I don't know. I just want to see how it plays out. They've worked me into getting excited about it. I don't know whether like Cody's best matches and he's had some really good matches of late. If you, if you take away the Dustin match, a lot of them are with much better workers that he can kind of use some shortcuts and figure out ways to make it uh, exciting. I don't know if Sean Spears is capable of helping him do that and get to a really good place, but I'm willing to believe that it can happen.
2: Yeah, this will be interesting. Um, I think we're good chance we get some plunder involved here too, because it's like a blood feud where they were, you know, once brothers, now enemies and Sean Spears ripped his head open, etc. cetera. Um, the atmosphere of course is going to be uh, spectacular and is going to carry the match regardless of whatever work they do like you know we saw the Nick all this match we saw the dustin Rhodes match like crowd's going to be way into this they're going to hate sean spears they're going to boo him out of the building um i am the the build's been really good i am a little annoyed that they haven't made more hay out of the fact that sean spears beat darby at fight for the fawn since this is like a darby loving podcast like if you're going to beat Darby there, then you got to make it mean something and really hammer it home. Um, but yeah, I, I think we get a whole bunch of overbooking with the the two seconds. Everybody's going to have a manager in their corner, and we're going to get some uh, like you know almost cheesy melodrama that makes it uh, just the right amount for Cody matches. Um, so yeah, this is uh, one of the top matches here. I think Sean Spears has to win, right? Like you have to put Sean Spears over here.
0: Yeah, he's like dead in the water if he loses this match.
1: Y'all pretty did a pretty good job about explaining my opinion about this match. I still think there might be an MJF turn here. So I'm going to hold out hope that this happens just because MJF has been acting way too much like this for too long. So I can see MJF turning on him and then maybe forwarding a, like, I hate to say four horsemen like unit, but like just kind of having like a heel grouping between him and Sean Spears. So that's what I'm hoping comes out of this.
2: I think the four horsemen unit is coming, but you cannot do the MJF turn yet. As you yourself said, this is the preseason we're in the preseason. So you have to get into the season and really establish the, uh, uh, the bromance between MJF and Cody before you did the big turn, like it's too, too early to pull the trigger on that yet. I think
3: this is the, uh, type of wrestling that as a, a kid, I hated. Um, and it would always be like the, uh, you know, there would be, like, on WCW, there would be the luchadors who I loved, and there would be, like, the the superstars like Sting or Hogan and stuff who were, like, cool, objectively cool, presented as cool, um, and then there would be, like, the southern worker types, and I could never get into that. Watching Ring of Honor early on, like, people like BJ Whitmer or Ace Steel, I could never get into them, and somehow in 2019 it has been uh it has become my favorite part of AEW and uh now I kind of seek out wrestling like this. So I think they've done an awesome job in building it. They converted me. Um and I think this is my most anticipated match too. I uh Sean Spears has to win. Um but yeah, definitely looking forward to this. Cody has had my favorite match on on almost Every show of this promotion so far, and I don't see this going any different. Like, they're both good workers. Sean Spears is a, a good worker, like, there's no problem there. And yeah, they've built it so well that, um, you know, there's a lot of room for disappointment in this, but I don't see that happening at all. As far as the MJF turn, I can't really tell what's going on there because, uh, we as fans know that it's coming and we know that. MJF, um, I guess he hates Cody. I'm not sure. I I can't really tell. uh, Because he puts on for him when other people bash him. uh, Cody, that is. Um, And we know that his friendship with Cody is largely fake, uh, as we've seen with his treatment of Pharaoh. Um, But I can't tell. And part of me thinks that we might see an MJF face turn, uh, where him and Cody do team for a little bit and then the heel turn comes where he turns on Cody, but I can't figure out what's going on there. If you guys have any insight into that, uh, let me know because as a listener of the podcast, that is something that I've been wondering about for a while.
2: (laughs) Well, I do think um, they do a team, but I sort of envision in my fantasy booking head is more of the Sting and Luger team where you have like a guy who's, you know, a, a big face and like a, a, Uh, figurehead of the promotion and his like shitty friend, who's like an asshole all the time, but they still uh, get along and team together. Uh, I think that's the model for where you go with it. And I think to really elevate MJF to that next level and make him like a top guy in championship contention, you have to milk that for like, I don't know, eight months of TV, a year of TV before you do the big turn.
1: Do you think it could happen during the T the tag tournament?
2: Could, but, uh, I think it's too early.
0: I think MJF legitimately loves Cody. I don't think that's fake. But I think you that... Mean ultimately, ultimately,
2: you mean as, as char- the character legitimately loves him or the human being? The character.
0: Loves, okay. I think M. I I mean, that's what we're talking about here, right?
2: Well, I mean, he keeps kayfabe all the time, so how can
0: you distinguish? You can't tell. But I, I do think MJF is drawn to Cody in like a real way, but that ultimately who he is... As like just like a shitty person, his own self interest will like overcome that love for that he has for Cody. And that's what will make him be like, okay, actually it's in my own interest to turn on this guy ultimately. But I, I don't think it's fake. Like some of it is fake, obviously, the way he the way he acts. But I think that he has a legit uh draw to Cody. And you see that in his reactions to like Sean Spears. I don't I think it's real.
3: Yeah, that's what confused me. So i don't know we'll see how it plays out we
0: don't have an answer unfortunately uh
2: real roller coaster fun is the intrigue we wait and they tell us the answer that's right
0: real roller coaster adam with your talk there i thought you were uh turning heel on all southern wrestling from like my childhood and the wrestling that i love the most uh but it came around at the end so i'm glad that uh, we can still be
3: I just didn't get it, Uh, and now I fully get it, and it makes me want to go back and watch old Terry Funk matches, uh, which is not something I've ever done or anything like that. Um, Yeah, and sorry to bring uh, Ace Steel into the conversation, but continue.
0: (laughs) Do we all still think that uh, Arn Anderson is going to be Cody's second?
2: That's my pick, yeah.
0: I think so,
1: too. I mean, it it only makes sense. It's MTF. Come on, guys. I
0: think it's Arn.
1: So
2: they're too smart to turn MJF. So at this stage in the game, I'm a big so Arn.
0: So I would really like to see. I mean, that would be cool
2: for me to see him. Maybe not picking MJF as a second is what starts the descent of their relationship, and we do a slow burn on it. And like you know, we we see the uh, I don't know what the model is. Batista and Triple H, where we just get little hints and hints and hints for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Maybe that's what they do.
0: That's interesting. Okay, the next big match is. Well, no, I can't even like do a cheesy way of being like John Moxley, but it's not John Moxley. <laughs> it's Pac taking on Kenny Omega. John Moxley, if you don't know, is out has a staph infection in his elbow. He's going to be out for four weeks, so he'll be back for the first week of TV, you would think. Uh, but they've they've come out with Pac as the replacement, which raises a lot of questions. I guess the big thing going into this has been the. Well, let's talk about. Moxley first, and then we'll talk about this match. So the big thing has been the Kenny promo on being the elite where it's kind of a, it's a send up of the Daniel Cormier and uh, John Jones gimmick where John Jones didn't, couldn't fight because he failed another drug test. And Cormier finds out allegedly like while he's cutting his promo. So they do that. And uh, Kenny says, you know, he just wants him to dim the lights and, and keep recording because, you know, he's going to shoot of course. And basically, this whole thing is like, okay, Mox, you thought you could be like me. You wanted to do the Kenny Omega thing and show that you were me, but you weren't good enough. Uh, You weren't as good as me. And, you know, you didn't win the G1 like I did. Uh, And basically, you weren't a professional. You went to work 24 days out of the month before the big pay-per-view. And now you owe everyone an apology. I blame you for not being able to do this match. He says, I know I'm supposed to wish you a speedy recovery, but I don't give a shit if you ever come back. And like, so the most important thing to me about this is I'm more interested in this match than I've ever been, the Omega-Moxley match. I think, I mean, it's kind of weird because Omega is positioned as a heel in that match, even though he's the baby face in this, uh, what I think is coming up in this uh, Jericho match that would be after this. But I don't know, kind of fascinating. What, what do you guys think about how that plays out. It's obviously a big bummer that Moxley's not going to be there. I was looking forward to seeing him live, uh, but ultimately for the promotion, I think it's nice to have this match that you can save.
2: Yeah, this is a good uh, program to save to first TVs and starting to build a big program there. Cause it's got a lot of juice now. Like there was this Kenny promo, which the content of it, I thought was really good. All the, all the aspects where he took real world stuff and integrated it into the pro wrestling world is like, exactly what you want from a pro wrestling promo. Um, Like you said, the, you know, mocking his whole warrior's journey thing. Um, uh, And he like shouted out that the annoying Twitter meme of people doing like, you know, the Miz greater than sign Kenny Omega or whatever, you know, shitpost nonsense. Like, just like a funny thing to show that like kind of in tune with the discourse, I guess. Uh, But yeah, that's a great program to like put off. I don't know that he's really a heel. I think it's like, you know, one of these Cody, shades of gray things where they're just like humans and they have different reactions to different circumstances and to different people. I think that's great if they have like consistent relationships like that going forward throughout the promotion. Um, but yeah, like that match falls apart, which sucks, but we get like an actual dream match to replace it. Like former top champions of top global promotions, wrestling in front of a big crowd. Like for the first time is pretty fucking sweet.
1: Yeah, this is wild, and I'll take my giant L. I, <laughs> oh, yeah, we forgot to make fun of Mike. <laughs>
2: yeah. I was going to wait. I was going to hit it after.
1: Yeah, no. Uh, this promo is probably Kenny's best promo, I feel like, since I can remember, to be honest. I feel like he hit like all the good notes about it. I like how they kind of did the production stuff there. I thought that was a nice touch of them like going, like, hey, do we want to take five? And it's like, no, just bring the lights back up. Like, let's do this. I thought that was really great, and – if anything, this makes this match more hot. We know they're probably gonna have one more big show this year. And easily, if these two guys aren't around the title, this is where you would put it. Like you put this match on this big show, you have this nice simmering feud. So I I think that they've easily made, took a bad situation and now have made it one of the more hotter programs in this show because now they've no one expects Moxley to be there now. He did not show up to Starcast there's gonna be the thought in everyone back everyone's mind is is moxley going to show up after this match so they're doing a great job i feel like of stoking the fire and being able to draw this out with, with that kenny promo
3: i thought it was a heel promo and it confused the hell out of me um on bte that is and i thought kenny was being positioned as like the babyface of the company and uh no, I'm not really sure what's going on. Like Nate said, it might've just been like a shades of gray thing where, uh, he legitimately does not like, or he doesn't, doesn't like Motsley. He doesn't respect his decision to do the G1. Um, but then he bragged about winning the G1. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. Um, I feel like either way, I've been waiting for Kenny to have one of his like violent Kenny matches. Um, like he had in new Japan, uh, Specifically, the the G1 match against Ibushi where they were actually trying to murder each other and did it in a beautiful way. Um, and I think we're s- still going to get that with Pac, if not more so. I don't know that like the build is there, or um, you know, the reason for him to to try and kill himself in order to kill Pac is there. But uh, definitely looking forward to this, and I think it might be a better match technically um in terms of like match quality or or you know technical uh whatever um so i'm definitely looking forward to it who's winning
2: i think kenny's winning so my big question here was really like what what are these guys directions coming out of this like where are we going with both these guys who both are potentially really top guys we know kenny's direction Somewhere in the near future is Moxley because they've been building that and they're continuing to build that. Pac is like, we don't know because I think Dave said he was originally on a five-date deal when, uh, when they were bringing him in, but that's obviously not like a long-term commitment there. Um, is, is he just doing the job here to be like, yeah, we had creative differences before and now he's willing to do business. Like, Is that like a meta thing they're going to do? Meta thing? Did I fuck that up again? Yes. Fuck off! Um, so I think, yeah, I think Omega wins. You have to get him back to like the top pushed ace of the promotion level, and Pac, Pac, you can beat on like a meta level and be like, hey, you know, <laughs> there's no more creative differences. As you can see, he's in here, he's in this promotion, and then come first TV, he should win all of his matches for the rest of the time.
1: I guess Pac taking a loss here, I think it would be natural for me to want to say. No, Pac doesn't take a loss here. Pac's, like, the most protective person of his gimmick. But at the same time, I don't feel like that Pac's story is with Kenny. You know, his stories with Paige. So if he is going to stick around, I can see the loss being on the stage here. Like, as Nate said, like, showing willing to do good business, even though I don't ever really think that that was the case with Pac here. So it will be... It'll be interesting. And as Nate throws up a giant L on the webcam, yes, I was wrong. I was dead certain there was a lot of people who I trust who telling me things about Dragon Gate that made me pretty much believe that Pac was never going to show up here because of reasons. And I'm wrong.
2: Well, we don't know that he's landed yet, do we? Has he? Has he tweeted an airport arrival pic? We don't.
0: He doesn't
1: that. tweet. Yeah, we don't and, know that. And
0: is in Chicago, just so everybody knows.
1: Joker. Okay, Sheeta.
2: Oh, she had a Starbucks.
0: Yes. Is there a chance? I know AEW says they don't do this, but is there a chance of a fuck finish here?
2: No, because they canceled. Well, I guess if we think they didn't do the page match because of creative differences, then you can't not do a match because of a possible fuck finish there and then just turn around and do one here. Kenny wins clean in the middle with his move.
0: Well, I mean, because my thought, like my working theory is, Omega is Jericho's first challenger and is the second champion. So he has to win this match for that to happen. So that's, but I could be, if I'm wrong about where we're going, then he doesn't necessarily have to win.
3: Do you think Jericho loses in his first defense to Omega?
0: No, I I think he can have defenses before he loses to Omega, but I think that would be my next, that would be my match at the next big pay-per-view. I think they've talked about November so you can he can do defenses on TV at some yeah. point, and then lose Omega at the November show. You don't mm-hmm. sound impressed
3: by that, Adam. No, no, no. I I I'm with you on that.
0: I just my thought is, and I talked about this a little. I'll put a plug here. I don't think it's up yet, but I I did part of the written preview on VoicesOfWrestling.com for this show, and my thought is, a lot of people think it's weird for Jericho to be the first champion because he's old. And he's not been very good. He's had diminishing returns in his matches uh, since his first New Japan match. But to me, it's really important for him to be the first champion. He's the biggest star that they have available to them. And most importantly, he can make the second champion. People are overestimating how popular Kenny Omega is. My thought is there are not one million. They need to get a million people to watch this TV show. I don't think there are a million Americans who know who Kenny Omega is. I don't think that many fans of his exist. So he needs Jericho to put him over. So that's what I would do to build my first real star.
2: That computes. I see what you're saying.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, that's something that I've kind of been arguing in private with people for a while. So, yeah. You you know it's real.
2: I know that I agree. It just it makes sense. It makes mathematical sense. Should have just. But I don't that. know if you go right back to that program because we know Kenny has to spend however long with Moxley first. So
0: well, you can do Omega Moxley after Omega becomes champion. You can let that simmer. The big match, the main event for the AEW World Championship. Hangman Adam Page takes on Chris Jericho. Does okay. So there's two questions here. One is there any chance? Adam Page wins. Two, does anybody think this is going to be a good match?
2: Yes. Um, I think they're really high on Adam Page. I think the Bucks and Cody and Chris Jericho are really high on Adam Page. If you go back to when Jericho first started in New Japan, that whole like six foot six does a shooting star press deep from the heart of Texas thing. That was a Jericho thing because Jericho was like super impressed with him. So I can totally buy that Jericho wants to make this guy on the big show make him the first champion. He represents like new blood, new promotion. Um, Cowboys are having a moment. There's, there's a handful of reasons that page could win. Yes. Um, I really, I don't have, I, I kind of am talking myself into page winning. Cause I, like Cody made a comment that was like, you know, we're not running this promotion to appeal to casuals or to appeal to lapsed fans or to steal from WWE fans. like, we're doing this to appeal to the fans that brought us to the dance and the people that have been following us and what they like in their wrestling or whatever. And I said it before, but Hangman is the first star that was made on BTE. And this is a promotion that came out of BTE. So I think I might do it. If he rides a horse to the ring, it's a lock. The other question is, is he ready to follow Kenny Omega versus Pac with a 48-year-old Chris Jericho?
1: Yeah, that's going to be the big question for me. I just, like, Jericho's someone that, I like him a lot. I mean, he was my favorite wrestler growing up as a kid, and I've liked how he's evolved, but this is a, a pretty big task for Jericho to have a match like this. You know, this is their last big show before TV. It's been promoted on TNT, and it's going to be a big effort there because Hangman, I mean, he's someone who got over initially through, like, combi stuff, like, on BTE. Like, he was, like, like, that was how he got over initially, and now they've made him, like, the serious challenger and it just brings kind of false and to what Aaron said about like is there any chance that I think that Paige can win the title yeah there's a chance but it's the wrong decision for right now and especially wrong with how they've booked everything so
3: i think mike is right uh and they seem to be bringing it up on being the elite and road to all out uh where he's constantly challenging uh the naysayers and um addressing them and, and, you know, voicing all of the same concerns that we're voicing here. And it's still not convincing me that he would be uh, uh, a smart pick as the first champion. Anytime I tell someone about AEW, their first question is, who's in it? And my first answer is Chris Jericho. Uh, and, yes, yeah, sometimes people say, like, how old is he? But most of the time people are uh, very interested and that is enough to make it seem like a legitimate promotion to them. Uh so I think going into week one TV with a heel Chris Jericho, uh, and he's been a great heel uh you know since AEW started. Um him as champion seems like the smart move and I love hangman. I, I want him to be the face of the company eventually i just don't know that if it's there yet and i don't want the company to take any unnecessary risks at the moment um with you know so much at stake uh i gotta go with jericho but i do think that a part of me uh thinks that you know the elite boys cody and the bucks and kenny might might give it to paige uh, for the, the reasons that, uh, you know, Nate said, Cody brought up.
0: Yeah, I, I think, so I agree with everyone in that. I think the smart move is for Jericho to win. I will, sitting in the building, I will be putting aside that I want this company to succeed at the highest level, and I will be rooting for Adam Page to win because that's like the most fun result.
2: I do wonder if you do the most logical thing and have jericho win i mean it's not like a wrestlemania kind of thing but it is like you're ending your big show it's like your anniversary show now it's your last big show before tv with a big heel becoming a champion they had jericho win on double or nothing but then gave everybody the giant moment with moxley coming out i don't think they have i guess (laughs) Uh, you could have Mr. April Mendez come out. But, <laughs> I was going to say, uh,
0: redacted could come out.
2: I, I just uh, is that how you send everybody home and and ready for TV come October? Is like you, you know the guy who we all hate. It has the belt, or does that not really count because we all like secretly you know love and appreciate him?
0: I think I I thought of that earlier today, Nate. I think you're exactly right that that's kind of a sour way to end the show, especially because I really expect the crowd there to get behind. Adam page. So you almost expect that somebody has to come out afterward, but are you running the risk then of being the promotion where your big shows end with a guy coming out after the main event and that's how you end all your shows. I mean, it's a little, they've already done it.
2: Yeah, but it is awesome. So yeah, like a very good problem to have. It's like, Oh, we keep having huge surprises. (laughs) Right. Sure. Sure. I mean,
0: I guess we I guess you brought it up, so we should have to say it. Everyone should have to answer.
1: Fra- you know, give us a percent. Oh, me? I, I'd say about
0: 25%. Wait, what are you answering? I didn't ask the question yet.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about CM Punk. Yeah. Is, <laughs> oh,
0: why did I say <laughs> the name? <laughs> is is CM Punk gonna show up on this show? Percentage. Uh, Mike goes twenty-five percent.
1: Yeah.
2: Um thirty-one percent this price is right rules or how do we
3: yeah
0: closest without going over (laughs)
3: 10% uh and if that happens uh CM Punk is your next champion and it'll happen at Jericho's first defense on tv
0: that would be a hell of a way to get this thing started uh yeah I'm probably I'm gonna I'll go with 24% I'll go right under Mike I'm the high
2: man. Okay. Oh, really, yeah. I'm Real dick move. move.
0: I just, I mean, I really don't see it happening, but it does make sense. Like a lot of it comes together. Yeah. Where you can see it uh, making a lot of sense. It would be a wild way to end the show. I mean, the place would go nuts. Is there any doubt about that?
2: No, I mean, they would lose their shit. I'll...
0: No, they have to buy Cold of Personality. They have to play that. Otherwise, it's a waste.
2: Yep. No argument. Um, all, all the like haters would like immediately get swept up in the moment too and be like oh you know we hate him but uh, this is awesome everybody's losing their mind Um, I think we've given that enough time
0: okay all right let's b- before we get done with all out I just want to go around we'll start with you Nate your most anticipated match on the show
2: Um, I guess it's Pac versus Omega I don't like none of the individual matches are super alluring to me it's not like there's a One thing on here that I'm dying to see the action of really the event and the atmosphere and that whole experience and hanging out with my friends is the, the big draw, but back versus Omega, I hope really meets meets, reaches the level of like a top tier Omega new Japan match that, you know, basically birthed this promotion because he became an international star and don't know if I've seen a a match on that level before in my life. So.
1: Mike. So, After going to to Double or Nothing and being in the crowd there, the person that I really want to watch live again just because of – it was the first time I felt how he was always positioned is Cody because Cody was always someone that I felt like in New Japan and Ring of Honor that he was always positioned as this person that he never really was. And when at Double or Nothing, he came out, he did the whole throne breaker thing, And just, like, it was the legit goosebumps moment. It was, like, okay, he is, like, this force that he wants to be. And he followed up with one of my, probably my third favorite match I saw live this year behind Momo and Utami and Naito Ibushi. So, like, it's it was an incredible match. So, I'm excited to see what could happen here with Cody and Sean Spears. I didn't think I would say that. Like, I was looking at this. You'd think I would say Pac Omega. But, no, I really want to see how Cody is live again because it was kind of a transformative experience seeing him alive in Vegas. And I'm wondering if he could follow up again on a big
3: stage.
0: Adam, what do you got? What are you most looking forward to?
3: I'm with Mike. Uh, it's uh, Cody versus Spears. I bet against Cody every time uh, for every AEW show. And he's uh, he's proven me wrong every time. So uh, I can't do that again. I'm
0: going to stay on brand. Uh, I'm most excited for Sheeta versus Rio. <laughs> uh, I am who I am, as I've said before on the show. I'm also, I've seen Darby Allen in front of like very few people. And so I'm very excited. Like the first time I think, the first time I saw Darby Allen live was the ladder match with Ethan Page in Orlando, many a weekend. And so this will be really cool to get to see him in front of this big, huge crowd. Uh, so I'm happy for him. I'm excited about that.
2: I do uh, on that point. I'm hoping to match what friend of the show Drew Spears did um, on Double or Nothing. You can hear Drew Spears doing his patented screaming of Jack when Jack Evans comes out. You can hear that on past BOLA DVDs as well. He just screams. I can't even do it because he just <laughs> screams Jack with such force. So I have been trying to make that my thing with Darby like at AEW shows. So. Uh, I'm in the 100 section, and I'm gonna try and get my voice on uh, on the broadcast, screaming Darby. I am sitting next to my normal friend, who will probably look at me very funny. Um, but these are the prices you pay to be a uh, you know top tier pro wrestling podcaster. So, well,
0: you and I saw Darby take on Matt Riddle at Evolve in Chicago, and yelled for Darby so much that it disrupted Matt Riddle, and he like talked to us during the match. <laughs> Don't boom me. Don't (laughs) Don't
3: boom. (laughs) Fuck
2: you, Matt.
0: Great match. Okay, let's get into uh, some quick news. Uh, So TV, let's talk about that. Uh, Sorry, Adam, I hope you know that these shows go a while. (laughs) Yeah,
3: yeah, I'm uh, prepared.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right, so this is a note. August 30, so Friday, I've lost track of days, 10 p.m. Countdown to All Out on TNT. So I don't know what that's going to be, but a little preview show for All Out. So check that out.
2: I I guess that's our uh, road to replacement for this week because we didn't get anything. That's right.
0: We will be at Street Fight, I think, when this airs, but I'm sure I'll see it at some point. So Pittsburgh and Charleston TV went on sale this past week. They did not sell out, certainly not instantly. I noticed that they've removed the maps on Ticketmaster, so you can't actually tell how many tickets are left. Uh, From my look, and this was yesterday, you can still get $75 tickets in Pittsburgh and you can still get $45 tickets in Charleston. Uh, Dave reported that they sold 4,000 tickets for the Pittsburgh show and 3,000 for the Charleston show. So kind of disappointing, I would say. But according to Dave, it's going to be in line with what WWE shows are doing or have done, especially in Pittsburgh. So maybe it's what you should expect. And they kind of built expectations a little too high with selling everything out within like 10 minutes.
2: Yeah, I guess this—the uh, jury's still out on how successful the promotion will be. Here, we were like really riding a high on their previous sellouts, and I said if that Charleston date does super well, they're gonna kill it on TV as well. So, uh, I, you know, I guess the Charleston date looks like it did fine to this point. Um, so, uh, you know, we don't know how they're gonna do head to head with NXT. I, I was surprised the flagship guys both came down pretty strongly on saying that uh, NXT is gonna beat them head to head. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to to see that develop.
0: Adam, we've never heard any of your thoughts about AWS TV and the the ticket sales. Does any of that interest you or, or even them going up against NXT? What do you think about that?
3: Uh, as far as t- ticket sales go, it's a relief that, um, we finally broken in the instant sellout barrier as like a performer who gets ticket updates to their shows. Um, it's like the most nerve wracking thing in the world. And uh, sometimes it's a relief to have a show that does bomb, just not that these are bombs, but you know, have a show that doesn't sell out instantly. Just so, you know, not that you have a night off, but, but you can, uh, you know, you have to work the crowd extra hard or something. And uh, you know, that, you know, people aren't just there because it's a hard ticket to get or something like that. As far as NNC goes, um, I'm bummed about it. It, uh, I don't know if you guys said it, but it, it makes, even though I don't think this, and I, I know that none of you guys think this probably, it does make NXT seem minor or AEW seem minor league because NXT is a minor league of the WWE essentially. Um, kind of a slap in the face there. Uh, as far as nxt announcing sellouts which are uh i think aaron Taub posted were like 400 tickets or something like that or i don't know if it was 400 total between two shows or uh, 400 for each show um i thought that was kind of a slap in the face too and kind of a reach for for wwe to be promoting that as any sort of success um they should have no problem selling out 200 or 400 cap uh arenas for anything they do uh it's a bummer to think that um some people might choose uh johnny gargano over kenny omega uh you know (laughs) any any day of the week um i'm not happy about it uh and (laughs) i'm almost taking it personally uh, I can sense so, that. yeah yeah <laughs> it really does bum me out um it's not the same thing at all uh it makes me wish that they did just um rich rich that it that you know if he if he had the decision they would have went head to head on monday nights and as soon as they announced the nhc thing i thought the same thing i i wish they did that too i'm sure they'll pull wwe will you know, do everything in their power that third week of NHC when they're head to head with AEW for the first time, um, to, to get people to watch their show, whether that's, you know, putting Roman Reigns against Tommaso Ciampa or something like that. Um, no, it bums me out at the same time. I'll probably be flipping over to NHC on commercial breaks to see what they're up to, uh, especially if the rumors of Enzo and Cass uh, being brought back for that are true. Uh, I should mention that I went to the NEW show last week. Uh, It was here in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and it's rare that we have any sort of wrestling. So an NEW show might as well be like SummerSlam coming to Scranton. And uh, there was a a rainout or lengthy rain delay after the third match. And uh, Enzo and Cass read green aids and ham uh to buy time for the the show so um wow. and at no point during that did i think man are these people that i'd watch uh, on wednesday <laughs> nights over aew
2: so it does sound like you're pretty firmly in aew's corner on on that matchup and i've been trying to push this narrative on the show of basically everybody in a creative field or that works in any sort of arts capacity, like immediately jumped to being an AEW fan as soon as it was, you know, uh, announced and and debuted and everything. Uh, do you have like do you have a take on that, or do you have do you observed that in your own uh, dealings in the creative industries?
3: I've noticed that anyone I talk to about AEW who knows what it is is a creative person, whether they're in a band or something like that. Um, if I'm like meeting someone for the first time uh, at a show and they want to talk about wrestling it's usually aew um so yeah i'm with you on that uh i think that's a good observation on your part it rings true with my experience for sure
2: there you go aw is the cool promotion yeah I think take it cool. down
3: yeah all right here's
0: uh some mike spears territory news november 6 you know at some i was thinking as i was writing this in the notes i was like okay at some point we're gonna stop reporting on like where they're going to do TV every week. Like at some point, no one will give a shit. That's not yet. November 6th, Charlotte, North Carolina at the Bojangles Coliseum
1: folks. Yeah. This is my culture right here. You know, this is whenever anyone comes like through the Carolinas or down to Georgia, Bojangles is kind of the place. Like I know Popeye's has gotten kind of the pub lately for their sandwich, but Bojangles is the thing in the area and it's a cool arena it's a super old arena. It's like from the 50s. I went to a hockey game there once when I was an undergrad. But it's interesting because it is clearly like the C arena in Charlotte. It's not the Spectrum Center where the Hornets play. It's not like any like the minor league baseball parks or the uh, college stadiums. It's like this kind of old place that Jim Crockett used to run that was like a WCW spot. So it's cool that they're doing this. And you know if cody's doing this for like booking here i'm wondering what he's going to try to do in like the greensboro area like that's what immediately came to my mind here so i think it's rad i'm glad that they are going to bojangles it is like the better chicken option so and it <laughs> and they have like the they have the Cajun filet biscuit I ab i know you're a vegetarian but it's like True. one of those things in, as like a rite of passage is like when you're going to places or going on vacation, you go stop by and you get a bag of chicken filet biscuits. So mm. I dig it.
0: I had a friend uh, or not really a friend, but an acquaintance from like work that I do say to me the other day, well, you're a meatless person, aren't you? Is that like, is that the terminology? New under me. Is that like the woke way of saying vegetarian now?
3: Very strange to me. I'm a, I'm a vegetarian and I've never heard that. So uh, yeah, I've never heard it no either. Idea. So. Okay, I feel like
2: it's less less woke and probably more uh, uh, insulting was probably the intent.
0: Oh, no, this is a very sweet guy.
2: okay,
0: yeah. he's like an uh, I think he's like an archivist, so I think he and Mike would get along probably. Oh hell, yeah. yes. Uh, okay, so they're gonna apparently set it up for seven thousand folks. It's time to shrink these shrink these uh, seat setups. Uh, interesting, I guess that is running a pay-per view. Nine days after this in Charlotte, but it's gonna be at the Spectrum Center. So both the tickets will be on sale at the same time. So we'll see how that goes. Uh do
1: you know what what one they're they're naming this pay-per-view? I could not have any idea. Clash of the champions.
2: Oh.
1: Very uh that's ice cold.
2: It's a direct it shot at Cody, really.
1: It is. It's like the one thing he wasn't able to buy the trademark of when he went on that trademark spree of getting like bash at the beach and all the things like that he did not get clash of the champions so
0: and mike tells me it was announced at the all-out press conference tonight that aw's tv on november 27 will be at the sears center Next. in hoffman estates oh. where all out is going to be and tickets are going on sale tomorrow
2: fuck i got text to send
1: yeah no uh this was uh i uh, was scrolling through twitter because they were doing the press conference just just see if there was anything going on like there was like what you would expect apparently uh Marco Sant weighed in at 102 pounds at the weigh-in, so good, good for him. Uh, but yeah, no, this is going on sale here, and that kind of gives you a little break between the November 6th and the 27th. So, but yeah, going on sale. it will right. be interesting to see if they would be able to get three straight sellouts in Chicago.
0: Interesting strategy to put tickets on sale before all out. Okay, a couple of news notes, and we'll be we'll be out of here. Uh, we found out Kenny Omega is going to return to DDT on November 3. It's going to be apparently Omega chose the match and it's going to be Omega and Riho versus Antonio Honda and Miyu Yamashita. You know, I say that name all the time and I just uh, said it wrong. It's Yamashita. So a lot of speculation from, I mean, straight from Takagi, the DDT owner, that this is a tryout of sorts for Miyu and that this is kind of Omega wanting to see more of her. To uh, see if he wants to book her in AEW. Is that so,
2: a is that a thing? Case. Or tryout matches a thing where people have to like wrestle with somebody to, to see if they want to? This reminds me of like when the WWE fans were like, "Oh, Chris Jericho's just going to New Japan because he's going to try out Kenny Omega to see if he's ready for <laughs> WWE." Like that idea just sounds like a little like I, I'm pretty sure Kenny Omega's watched enough wrestling that he can like watch miyu and determine that she's a good wrestler, right?
1: I will say that there are tryout matches in Dragon Gate for foreign talent.
2: So they wrestle, but they wouldn't wrestle like Shima or the Booker, right? Like you could have a tryout match and like sit there and watch them and determine if they're good. Yeah. I would guess.
1: Yeah. But it's like if you're going to go wrestle foreign talent, usually you go do a tour and you see how things are going. I remember that, who was it? Uh, Giselle Shaw pretty much was brought over to DDT because of how great her match was with Mayu Yamishita. At uh, I think it was Will Ospreay's promotion. I was blanking on that for a second. Wall Frontline, Frontline, Frontline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, like it happens, but it's I I kind of take a lot of things that Takagi says as just a work. So.
0: Oh yeah, I think this is a work. I think Miu will come over, and this like after the match, Kenny will like shake hands with her and bow to her and be give like,
2: her an American flag off of his tights. <laughs> yes.
0: Like I was so impressed with her, and now I'm going to bring her over. So. Anyway, the crowd went nuts when this was announced at the DDT show. It's going to be over huge there. It's cool to see Kenny going back to J- Japan and back to DDT.
2: Really gonna be uh interesting for his Hall of Fame case to see what kind of boost he gives to DDT, especially if he's like at all regularly or occasionally appearing there. Like, because they I think they've been on a downswing. I don't know if people get mad at me for saying that, but like gonna see I'll if he gets him a shot in the arm to get like, you know, back on the level of a of a Dragon Gate.
1: I'll say it. They've been on an absolute downswing if you look at their business, especially at Cork and Hall, and they don't draw very well outside of Tokyo. I'm willing to take that fire. So, yeah, it'll be interesting for him. Well, they're, that, about, they're about to run
0: Sumo Hall and they have booked
1: yeah. 82 <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah, they they booked that. Okay. And then the next year, even more so, they're doing a show at the Satama Super Arena. like where, Oh,
2: the right. SSA, I know it well.
1: That's that's a big <laughs> arena for like, well, you know, because of that because of all the idol groups in K-pop, but like that was always the place for pride. And then they always would run that if they weren't running the domes and they ran it before and they did not go so well. It's like twenty two thousand. So if Kenny comes back and does like a huge like boost in the arm, then that could be something really incredible for him. So,
0: Adam, are you into K-pop at all?
3: No, not really. Um, but there's a video of. Uh, I almost asked. <laughs> no, but there's a video of. Oh, I just forgot their name. But whoever sings the uh, the Gundam Wing um, theme song or opening uh, song, uh, I think it's called Rhythm Emotion or something like that. Um, there's a video of like a live performance of whoever sings that. It's like a five person group that I send uh, to my group chats. All the time, and tell them that we need to get on the same level of uh, of the synchronization that they're on. So uh, no, but the short answers, no.
2: Okay, I mean, just edit set Could it be list? No, it starts with no, the. Looks like oh, that's a it has robbery. the
3: number two in it. Um, two mix, two, two mix. mix. That's it. That's it.
2: I'm not familiar. Oh, it's so inspiring. Oh, this goes way back. This goes back to '95. It's okay.
3: so inspiring. Uh, I think there's, a- I'm not, I'm not a
2: giant robots guy personally.
3: Uh, I am a, a giant robots guy, so
2: <laughs> I can, uh, I'll recommend there is a series of anime idols piloting giant robots. Actually, there's multiple of these, but <laughs> one in particular there, uh, the idol master Xenoglossy is all about the, uh, beloved idol master idols, uh, piloting giant robots in a, you know, battle for the fate of humanity.
3: Okay. You'll have to, uh, have me back on the podcast so we can talk about that. This yes. is good. We didn't
2: get any uh, five star reviews, so that'll be our show closing banter for when you come back. Is okay. the idol master Zena Glossier.
0: I just, uh, I just love the, the bigness of K-pop. Like how, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like it reminds me of like No Limit, you know, like in the '90s. It's just everything is so big, and the videos are insane, and the the stage shows are insane, and I just, I love, love that. Live for it.
1: Oh yeah, like the the thing i've been watching non-stop i post about twitter is someone who was on idol master is now doing like k-pop version of city pop which is something that i've recently got into and they did like this really well done like 1980s japanese style video for a k-pop song and it was awesome like i love the video production i love watching the videos even though it's not necessarily like my favorite kind of music but you like see like what they do and you see like all the production and and just how like the lighting and the coloring it's incredible
2: that's friend of the show, Yukika.
0: That's right. I watched that when you posted it. Good time. That I'll watch. The Dragon Gate matches you you recommend. <laughs> <laughs> but Yukika.
1: <laughs> Yukika rules and also UT versus Super Shisa rules. I'm just going to leave it there because I didn't talk about it on Open Boys Gate. Yeah, that match rules.
0: <laughs> All right. Last news note, Tony Schiavone signed a full-time multi-year agreement. Uh, I love that language, even though it also says you'll still work with University of Georgia football and baseball, and the Gwinnett Stripers. So
2: <laughs> and, and MLW.
0: Yeah, so I don't know how full-time that's going to be. Uh, the press release made it sound like he'd be on commentary, but Dave reports that he's going to be doing backstage stuff with Alex Marvez, and the main broadcast team is going to be Jim Ross, Golden Boy, a.k.a. Alex Mendez, and Excalibur.
2: That's, that's got to Did- hurt for uh, Alex Marvez to have a guy with such a similar name take
0: his yeah, spot.
3: Brutal. Yeah. Were
0: you a Tony Schiavone fan as a WCW fan,
3: Adam? Yeah, and whenever uh people bash WCW, one of my gut reactions is but Tony Schiavone was awesome, right? Uh, so I'm very excited to, right. to see him um back. I thought, I mean, even when I hear him in MLW, I think he's great, so uh, yeah, I'm all for that. It doesn't really uh help uh disassociate AEW with. Uh, WCW at all? I don't know if that's something that they're actively trying to do, but um, you think of a like a a major number two um, competitor to to WWE, and you think WCW, and I don't know if having one of the voices of WCW uh, helps with that, but who cares? Like he'll be good.
2: Yeah, I feel like their ethos is kind of who cares? Like they're I just feel like they're not scared to make decisions based on that sort of train of thought you know what i mean like i i totally get the same thing like it is kind of like oh you guys are really like running wcw towns and you've got uh the wcw sort of vibe and they're just like yeah they, they're just going to do what they're going to do and and they think it's good and uh you know wcw is always back
0: and honestly there are some great early wcw shows with jim ross on commentary and tony shivani backstage so i don't know if Jim Ross is not quite on that level anymore, but uh, still kind of cool. In Greensboro, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, Okay, so that's pretty much all for uh, this episode. I think the one thing we didn't talk about, Adam, so I'll close out with this. People probably think it's pretty weird, like the fact that you are on this podcast at all. Uh, Why do we know each other? Very strange. So I guess everybody should know that, um, and I learned some of this. I mean, I knew this because you uh, DM'd us before. But, you know, I listened to your turn on the Turned Out a Punk podcast with Damian Abraham, which was very cool. And I understand that uh, you were a listener. But how in how in, in the world did you find the Everything Evolves
3: podcast? It was definitely through um, subscribing. This sounds like a plug. I'm sorry. But it it, it was through <laughs> uh, subscri- subscribing to the, the Voices of Wrestling uh, podcast feed on, like, whatever the podcast app is on uh apple whatever um and i was watching evolve heavily at the time so i think i was like day one um right right into the the everything evolves podcast and uh wow uh yeah it was through that and i have to thank you guys for um for helping make that turned out a punk episode happen um because someone else had had messaged him, I think someone else who he, he plays in a Damien plays in a band with, had messaged him and told him that I was interested in doing an episode. But uh, it was uh, I got that episode because he had heard my name previously through the Everything Evolves podcast. So thank you for that. I'm not sure if that's what you were looking for, but uh, but no, it was uh, oh, no, yeah, it was it was through the the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network.
2: Wow.
0: Well, I did not intend for that to be a plug. I mean, I wanted to plug the fact that very cool people listen to every iteration of this podcast. That's all I wanted to get out. I didn't know about you until about your music until you DM'd us because Aaron was going to be at an of show you were going to be at. And so you guys met up and I was like, okay, I got to learn more about this dude. And uh, yeah, I became a fan. So I mean, I knew about Tiger's Jaw, but I just didn't know that what you were doing now. So that sounded like, that sounded rude. I didn't mean to. No.
3: It. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I have a, uh, I will plug uh, that I have a new band. Um, so when I left Tiger I Shot, two other people left it too. And uh, that was like six years ago. But the three of us started a new band called Pay for Pain, which is not nearly as heavy of a band as it, the name suggests. But yeah. Um, <laughs> We just started playing shows and stuff. We'll have music out hopefully by the end of the year. So uh, if you like Tiger Shaw, listen to that.
0: Very cool. My wife uh, yells at me for constantly loudly and off-key singing "Planes vs Trains." Uh, I just like break that out occasionally, and she'd never heard it. And I made her actually listen to it one day because she's so annoyed by uh, that. It's just
3: usually stuck in my head. So yeah, that that's not one of my songs. So when. when when people say that i don't wow. sing that one I, but but uh ben and i have similar voices so uh when people bring that up uh normally i let it go but i feel uh I, that we developed just... we we've developed a, a good rapport where i could i could <laughs> break that to you and not this was i
2: i i had to call out aaron earlier today for just <laughs> the mortifying text that he sent so this is good that everybody's you know, – we're on a level with you, Aaron, where we, we feel comfortable being honest with you and just telling you you're fucking up big time, man.
0: I just no. got outed on my own podcast as a fake geek fan. I, I'm not. I'm leaving the set. Fucked <laughs> up. This is so fucked up. Cut all this. Do this better. This all got to go. Oh, no, Do better. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to say anything else nice about Adam or his music <laughs> projects. He's so um, – Probably ever again, but thanks for coming on the podcast anyway. Um, we, uh, we
2: might need to trade Aaron's for the next episode. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yes, you all have betrayed Aaron, that's for sure. Um, betrayed if, if If you all still want to listen after hearing this betrayal, then make sure you subscribe to the show, Everything Elite, or as my once friend Adam did on the Voice of Wrestling <laughs> Podcast Network, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. and Adam is at phase. So follow him there unless again you're loyal to me. In which case block and report his
3: ass.
2: Can't recommend it. It's more heat than it's worth, guys. <laughs> That's true.
3: Thank you for having me again. I feel like I should uh Make sure people hear me thank you one more time before we uh, end this because I, I really did have a good time and uh, I hope I didn't mess up the flow of of uh, how it normally goes. You guys have good chemistry with each other and uh, I was happy to be a part of it. So thank you.
2: Oh, thank you. It was really
3: fun.
0: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. And uh, I guess against my better judgment, I will continue being a fan.
3: <laughs> thank you.
0: <laughs> All right. Check out Phase on Spotify, apparently. Make sure he gets paid. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing your song at All Out this weekend. So for Mike, for Nate, for Adam, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time.